Merry Christmas! And this is part two of a three-part series where James and I are giving out Christmas gifts. In this episode, we are going to cover the wing. We are going to give the top wings in the 2024 NBA Draft. We're going to give them gifts. Gifts. More gifts. Donations. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to give them gifts that we believe will help them maximize their draft stock and also help them maximize their potential as NBA prospects. So stay tuned to find out what we are giving out the top wings in the 2024 NBA draft class. Big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. And big shout out to you for listening to us on Christmas. And maybe you're listening on the 26th or 27th. We appreciate each and every listen. But Merry Christmas to, to all the listeners that have been listening all year long. We are down to, I guess, the last week of 2023. I'm looking forward to 2024. I have some, some big things plan got some ideas to, to take this podcast to another level all right we did one episode on the guards the wings is this an episode that that you you feel like you got a lot of takes that you need to get off mm, i mean i always got a lot of takes to get off man you know i'm a deep thinker man all right let, let's get right into it all right ron holland if you could give ron holland any gift to help him be the number one pick in the 2024 NBA draft. I mean, he's in the, the, the discussion to be the top pick. He's on the short list of candidates. If you could give him anything that would solidify him as the top pick, what would that be? I would love to give Ron Holland the confidence to shoot open three-pointers. I mean, he's shooting three a game. He That's turns down four a game. Yeah. And, again, so, like, uh, the G League Winter Showcase. Right. Don't know if you had a chance to check that film out. But there was three opportunities against the uh, the Nuggets affiliate team where they dared him to uh, shoot the three, and he would turn it down. A couple of times he stepped out of bounds in the corner. There was one on the right wing where he didn't look to shoot. And it's like you're in the perfect position to develop your game. All right? G League, there's no expectations to win. This is just 100% you showcasing your ability. And I don't like to see him turning down shots, especially with him like kind of turning the corner as a three-point shooter in the past two, three weeks or so. Yeah, he was 0 for 5 in, in the showcase. Do you think Heritage draft stock only combined for 20 points in the two games? He was like 7 for 21 or 22. Do you think he really hurt his draft stock? I don't. That's a good question because you know what? If you look at the game uh, logs. You have an answer for it. You're right. <laughs> but you look at the game logs, a lot of Kings, a lot of Warriors, a lot of uh, Clippers. Like, yeah, you're it's playing. Like they, they have a. Like a pod. Yeah. And you're playing the same teams over and over again. In that and right. And I believe that that Cleveland team is just all guys with like NBA experience. I know Sharif was out there. Uh, not NBA experience, but Pete Nance, he can play. So it's like. They're older. I mean, I think the G older. League is. I think this is the toughest G League crop of talent. Right. Period. Because you have guys that were. 
I mean, lottery picks, you have guys that were former lottery picks, you have guys that were like All-Americans and, and Power Fives. I mean, it's, I mean, Monty Bates is in the G League, Shreve Cooper. I mean, you got... Jarrace is, Jairus, excuse me, is yep. down there hooping. So, I don't, I don't know if it really hurt his stock. I know he didn't play particularly well. Um, I would say that it's something to keep an eye on because they're not going to be playing the Kings, the Lakers, and the Warriors, those same, you know, string of games. Again, because, again, when you see those guys over and over, like, you know what to expect. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what's going to work. You know who's not taking the charge. You know who can't guard you. But when it's like, the, as you can see, two different teams, it looks, it, it didn't look good for him. And it wasn't just Ron. Uh, Matas? Matas? Yeah, Manas didn't look good either. So, um, but for Ron, I want him to have the confidence to take open three pointers because, again, I think at the next level he's going to learn that you can't turn down open looks. Yeah, I would gift him. I mean, same thing I was gifting last episode: a jumper. I have a few things I would give him: a jumper, a consistent jump shot would be number one. Right now, he's shooting about twenty four percent and sixty eight percent from the foul line. So. For him, it's weird. He's an aggressive driver. Like, when you talk about Ron Holly, you talk about the motor, the athleticism, and just the aggressive drives to the rim, but it doesn't, it doesn't show in free throw attempts. He's only getting to the foul line about three times a game, which is not bad. But for but someone who that, drives as much as yeah. he does, yes. And Man. I mentioned that on, our, on the podcast that we yeah. had about him that – for somebody to get to the line as, or excuse me, somebody who drives as much as he does, he does not get fouled. Right. So I would gift him a jumper, but better decision making. Right now, like you said with Isaiah Collier, you give him some anti lock breaks to yeah. slow down. Ron Holland plays at one speed. I mean, I mean, it just his motor's great. The athleticism is great. But now you can see, like, he's sped up, and when he's sped up, it leads to, like, crazy decision-making. I mean, he's averaging three-and-a-half turnovers per game compared to 2.8 assists. And so I think if the game slowed down a little bit, he became a better decision-maker. But then, like, for him, I don't, I don't know how it would slow down because that, that is his greatest strength. Being it, fast? Is his speed. And so... I just wonder, like, how does it look for him to add pace? Well, so he had to play against the gold. They ran a pick and roll for him at the top of the key. and Probably on the left side, went right? No, it was in the middle. He okay. ended up going left. Oh. And I believe he was like, I have to make this pocket pass here. and But he was going so fast that – he didn't see the um, help side tag the roll man. And, like, if he just slows down, then he sees that corner guy. And then, like, that looks good on film. But because he's moving so fast, as you can see, you know, it's certain plays that he's just not making. Yep. All right, let's talk about his teammate, Maras Bazelis. Maras, he's – before the, the, the showcase, I thought that he – Started playing better, right? I thought he moved up to number – Two on my board. See, I had moved him up to four, but again, when you started to see a different look, you saw that <laughs> that water got shut off. Yeah, because he was a combined eight for twenty-two. Here's the thing about about Maras. On paper, it says he can't shoot. 
that was one of his greatest strengths coming into the season was a shooting. So far, it hasn't translated. I don't know if he's struggling, adjusting to the NBA three-point line, which is something that we have to factor in. Even when right. I talk about Ron, you got to factor in that you're going from the high school line to the NBA three-point line. Yeah, that's skipping a step because Just, the college line is shorter. Yeah. And even the international line is shorter, yep. too. But Bazellus is only shooting twenty two percent from three. Do you have three? Do you have concerns about his three ball? I'm gonna say right now, no. If you give me halfway, if if he's shooting twenty five percent at All Star break, then I'm going to be concerned. Right now, he's played eight games. I'm not going to be too concerned right now about about the three ball yet because he was such a good shooter on the prep level. If I had to give him a gift, it would be some strength. (laughs) Yeah. I I would give him some strength. I mean, I think it's just going to have such an impact on on, on his game. Once he bulks up, I think he's going to be a better finisher at the rim. I think he's going to be able to defend multiple positions. I mean, right now, if, if you like stocks, he's, he's putting up some some good stocks, a little under three stocks per game. If you don't know what stocks are, stocks are steals and blocks. And I think he'll be a much better defender once he gets stronger. So my gift to Bazellas would be strength and maybe a little bit of physicality, embracing physicality a little a little more. Me? Yeah. You know what I give him? A masseuse. What? Yo, he's stiff, man. Like, again, maybe it's the lack of strength, but like he dribbles standing up. He's straight up. He's straight up. Like he he need to loosen his back. And even if he does develop that strength, he's like, oh, I brought that in. But as he gets stronger. He got the Michael Porter Jr. straight yeah. up. Yeah. At least Michael Porter Jr. we know why. Yeah, he, he didn't have a back. Up, it's yeah. spinal. But, like, with uh, Maras, like, even if he does get stronger, like, I've seen guys who just don't have the physical strength, but they can still get low. Yeah. I feel like he just can't get low. And, like, again, against the, uh, the Nuggets affiliate, the goal, like, he was getting stood up on yeah. these drives. And it's like, you got to. But well, how much of that was lack of strength? Because if you can't. Take the initial bump, you're not going anywhere. But I guess that's the important of being able to get low. Because if you can get lower than the man, the low man wins. But see, okay, so like, not the same player. Don't I'm not doing that. Brandon Ingram always played strong. He he was a guy that I labeled as skinny tough. Yes, he always played strong. Kevin Durant always played strong. Yeah, they just didn't have muscles. Right, they needed to hit, you know, their manhood. Maras does not play strong, partially, partially because I just don't think he can get low enough to get to play strong. But like, they, were, I, I would say, Durant and Ingram were like one-on-one type players. Maras, to me, is a team player. He's like, a team. Gotta, he's effective if you run him into like different screens and all of that. But, but I, I don't see like I don't. To me, he doesn't have their type of well, boogie. No, he's not isolation. No, boogie. he's not an isolation player, and he's not a one-on-one player. But part of his biggest sale is him being six nine, six ten, and being able to put six the, eleven. Excuse me, six <laughs> eleven, putting the ball on the ground. But right? I think he's going to be able to put the ball on the ground. Is it, is it purely off closeouts because all, he's trying off closeouts. Well, yeah. But right now, he's trying to go by people, and he shows flashes like in a couple of those uh, prior games to the showcase. He was getting to the rim, but it's like. He can't always get there. And you can tell that, like, he's not strong enough right now. But also, I just think his his 
base is just too high. So I'm gonna get him a masseuse, some oils. I don't you know. know if that's gonna get him make him lower. <laughs> I, don't, I, I know a masseuse, a masseuse could help you get low. All right, when we return, we're gonna talk about French prospect Zachary Risache, a guy that I don't know. I don't even know what to say now. The production, the production has been great. I mean, I've had my concerns about him for the past few years, but he's he's proven me wrong. The numbers look great, and he's he's producing at a high level. In a top division in France. So stay tuned to hear our thoughts on Zachary Risa Shea and what gifts we would give him for 2024. All right, big shout out to each and every person that has made the Locked On NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day, but also big shout out to the Locked On team for becoming the first 24 hours a day, seven days a week sports streaming channel on YouTube. You got to check it out. Locked on sports today, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Go to the YouTube channel. We have your, your local experts and you have the national shows that are covering your top sports topics. So check it out. Locked on sports today on YouTube, follow, subscribe, share again, locked on sports today. All right. Second segment. So we've been giving out Christmas gifts, trying to, or, or at least what we believe would help each player maximize their potential in their draft stock. So we left off talking about Maras Bazelis, and I mentioned in, in the tease that we're going to talk about Zachary Risachet. I'll go first. Go ahead. Do your thing. If I could give Zachary Risachet a gift that would help him maximize his potential to the fullest, it would be a bag. And when I say a bag, I'm talking a deep bag of creative scoring moves or scoring arsenal, whether it's crossovers, how to get separation off the dribble, because he has the tools. I mean, I've seen him listed at 6'9", but I've watched him play twice this year. I think he's every bit of 6'10". He has a great frame, good athlete, can shoot the ball. He's shooting the ball very well this year. He can attack on closeouts, but it's only on straight line drives. I mean, there's a couple of things that I think could could prevent him from maximizing maximizing his potential. But one of them is I just think that he lacks offensive creativity off the dribble. So I would gift him I would gift him a bag. And I think the best way for him to get that bag is during this this pre-draft process once the season is over. He playing one-on-one every single day. Cause he, he's got the team concept down. But to go from a, a good team player to, I think, a high, high-level all-star, I think he's going to need some creativity off the bounce. You know what? I am going to give Zachary Rieschet the, again, like I gifted one of the guards. I want him to have the confidence to make the moves, to play with some sauce. So I did my weekly checkup on him. You I know? mean, you got to have the sauce hold to on. have the count. Let me, oh, so, okay. I did my weekly checkup. Yo, he hit somebody with a between-the-legs, like, crossover into a three. Now, it might have been a late shot clock situation, but he did it. He made another move. I can't remember the exact move, but he put the ball on the ground, and it looked like he had a move. So, again, I understand you in France. It's not America. They want you to play a certain way, and you are playing a certain way. But show me more of that. 
You show me more of that, man. I will. I'm a believer because again, the shooting checks out. Obviously, he's a big dude, but like he showed a couple of plays where he was putting the ball on the ground, and then it looked like he was, you know, trying to be creative to create a shot for himself. So have some courage, brother, and keep doing that. All right, what is the better indicator of his shooting? The 48% from three or the 71% from the foul line? I don't know. That's It's it's a mixed bag. It's even. There are about three attempts per game each, three attempts from three, three attempts from the foul line. The 71% is, you, you would like it to be a little bit better. It's not bad by any means, but the 48% from three is phenomenal. He's shooting 53% from the floor. I didn't. I knew he could shoot. I didn't think he would shoot the ball this well. Well, he did shoot forty-four percent from three in the under nineteens. So, is he a high forty shooter? Maybe not, but like low forties is very, very possible for him. And I know he got off to a rough start. Uh, I want to say the first like five to ten games, he was a twenty-six percent three-point shooter, and he's been on a tear lately. So, you know what? I'm buying him as a shooter. It's just the other stuff that I want to see. So, I'm giving him a bag of offensive creativity, and then you want him to have more confidence in the offensive creativity that he has. All right. We, We talked about Jacoby Walter. We had him listed as a guard in the last episode. I guess if I think about it, he's more so of a wing. All right, Ryan Dunn. (laughs) <laughs> I'm going I'm to I'm let you answer this first If you could give Ryan Dunn Anything To help him maximize his potential What would that be? Man, you seen them gloves that you could use Your, your iPhone with still Because you can still touch the screen Like the fingertip ones I don't know if they still make those But no. I want him to be able to feel his fingertips Man, <laughs> I saw him shoot a couple air balls This past uh, couple games, man And like it was an air ball three. It was an air ball mid-range. And if if nothing else, you see, I see the 19% from three. If nothing else, show me that you can put the ball on the ground. So, yeah, I'm joking with the fingertips. because I've seen them put the ball on the ground. Show, show me you can do that to make up for the, the lack of shooting. Like, show it more often. If you have more, do more. Because, again, like, it's going to come down to – the shooting with him. And, like, I, I know some people are really high on him. People are really, really but high. But a 19% three-point shooter. And, you know, it's only going to get tougher because, like, conference play is coming up. Scott Report is going to say, leave him open. As we say on the court, he with us. And they're going to dare him to shoot. So, you know, show me something else, man. And, and it's just... I don't know, man. It's Virginia. They scored like fifty-four in the game, man, last week. I don't, I don't know. I don't know, man. I want to see him put the ball in the basket. And to me, it doesn't just have to be shooting. Like, show me that you can score. Well, I mean, I said he's a five. He has the skill set of a five. All right. So we talked about it off off camera. What position does? Excuse me, Jared Vanderbilt play. Jared, Not high school Jared Vanderbilt. We're talking about NBA Jared Vanderbilt. Well, I would say high school Jared Vanderbilt was a point forward. Jared Vanderbilt plays, I don't know what position he plays. I mean, he's, I guess, a 3-4. However, What's the difference between Jared Vanderbilt? Again, we're talking about... Well, Jared Vanderbilt, I mean, was he in their rotation until... Jared Vanderbilt was very good in Minnesota. 
I, but you again, like I say about the rest of the DBs, you couldn't play him deep in the playoffs because he couldn't shoot. Yeah. Right. I don't know what he was doing in Utah. That was just a little placeholder. God, he was there. <laughs> exactly. And then, but in LA, he was good until you couldn't play him anymore because he provided no offense. Yeah. So I would, if I were going to give Ryan Dunn a gift, I'd give him some offense. But I think he has a skill set of a five. His best attribute on the offensive end is being a role man and and, and a finisher. I, I think he's Jerry Vanderbilt. And I like Jerry Vanderbilt. But where was Jerry Vanderbilt? He was a second-round pick. But that's because he broke his foot. And, yeah. But I, I give props to Vanderbilt because he had to basically – I mean, he just had to remake his game, turn into a defensive guy because in high school he was – I mean, he was cold. I remember him. He was a point four. He was like a six – Seven, six, eight, maybe six, nine. He handled the ball. He did so many things on the offensive end, and now he's he's just kind of, you know, he's he's just known as a defender. But Ryan Dunn, I would give him some offense because right now I don't trust the shooting. I don't, even though he can, like he's athletic and fluid enough to attack a closeout. But well, I mean, I'm not chasing he, him, off the line. him off the line, <laughs> so he's only gonna like put the ball on the floor in transition. So I would give him some offense. So whether it's, it's, I mean, can you play him at the dunker spot? Maybe it's like push shots around the rim, touch shots, something. Because even though nine points a game in Virginia's offense is like, like fifteen, exactly like 15 <laughs> I, I, I just, I just don't see where he has enough offense to where he's going to be able to help a team in the NBA if they. You know, if they go, you know, in the playoffs. So it's almost like he needs to go. And, and based off where some people have him, he's going to go to a bad team. He goes to a bad team. Then you don't have to worry about that. You got a few years. But if he falls outside of the lottery. You go to a good team. He's going to a good team. And I could see him kind of earning some minutes early because he plays defense at a high level. But then you're going to have to basically restructure your entire offense or your or your lineup in the playoffs because I mean right now he would be unplayable. I agree, Jerry Vanderbilt. Nothing wrong with being Jerry Vanderbilt. So what would your gift to him be? Some touch. Man. Oh, that's right, some touch. All right, when we return, we're going to cover a few more wings that that we believe we have some gifts to give them that will help to maximize the draft stock or draft potential. We're going to start off with Cody Williams. So when we return, we're going to talk about Cody Williams and how our gift. To Cody can help him. I'm at possibly top five, maybe. I don't know about that, but go ahead. Stay tuned. All right, last segment. I want to talk about Cody Williams. I would give Cody Williams more confidence. I'm still in your. He's still in your. Uh, your gift. Low bar for bar. I give him. More confidence. Right now, he's shooting 60% from three. Okay. But it's only on 1.4 attempts per game. He's shooting 66% from the foul line. Coming into the season, I thought the outside shooting was his biggest weakness. And, I mean, on paper, the 60% looks great. I still wouldn't say it's a strength because it is a very, very low sample size. I am surprised at the percentage. So I would like him to have more confidence in shooting the three ball. So that way, even I, I would much rather him shoot 
at three and a half attempts per game than 60% at one attempt per game. So I would give him a consistent jumper, but more importantly, the confidence to shoot that jumper. My question for him was, yo, I want to see that dog. I want to see you. You're a five-star recruit. Play like a five-star recruit. So my gift to Cody is keep that dog. Yeah, but he's he's his, his last few games he's played very well, put up some some high scoring marks. I mean, I just think this draft is wide open. You're talking about a, a big wing point forward type that can that can defend. I mean, I think in this class, I mean, you you have to consider that a potential top 10 pick because he's playing better than the guy that I'm going to mention next who I I had a number one coming into the season, Dang. Justin Edwards. Justin Edwards has has not been good. 9.9 points per game. He hasn't been bad, but he's been bad compared to expectations that probably unfairly were put on him. So I'm not going to – yeah, I'm not going to hold that against him. Well, I mean, it's being held against him because That's his draft stock is, is plummeting. But 9.9 points per game, 4.6 rebounds. He's shooting – 25% from three, taking a little under three attempts per game. He's had some better games of, of late, but but then again, he's had like two of his last three games are under double figures. His really? high game so far is like 16 points, and that was against A&M Commerce. That was over a month ago, almost two months that ago. That good game against Louisville? Louisville is good it's by Louis- name. It was Louisville. Yeah, yeah they're not Louisville, good. however you say that. But he's only had four games where he's taken more than 10 shots. I knew he was going to sacrifice at Kentucky. So the the I thought he would at least average like 15 a game, and I thought he would be a better shooter. But... He's only playing 25 minutes per game. I don't know if – I mean, I know you got – like I said, I know you got to sacrifice, but he's he's definitely not put up the numbers that, that I expected. So if I were to give Justin Edwards a gift, I would give him oh, – I was going to say an opportunity to go to a new school. <laughs> you going to put him in the portal? <laughs> put him in the portal at the semester. But I, I would give him some dog, man. Like, he's not – Taking a bunch of shots, and like I said, I've said it over and over again, I know you have to sacrifice going to Kentucky, but he was supposed to be the number one pick. He was supposed to be in, at least in the discussion, and he's taking a back seat. You can make a case and say he's been their third best, maybe fourth, maybe fifth best, best freshman. Yeah, okay, freshman, yeah. Freshman. He's been the fourth best freshman, for sure, and that's because Bradshaw hasn't played. Yeah, so I, I would the big ass, and even he not even on. Well, he is on campus. He posted his GPA, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, my my gift for Justin Edwards is be more assertive. Don't be afraid to take more than ten shots a game, and then I would give him a consistent jumper. He's he's just in a situation where, I mean, he can, I guess, regain his draft stock some in the second half of the year. But he's just in a situation where he doesn't look like the the alpha dog of that team. He looks like he's very, very content as a role player. And that's not something that I want to see out of a guy who I thought was going to be the number one pick. So I would give him a little bit more assertiveness and a consistent jumper. Now, you're talking to a person who had realistic expectations of Justin Edwards, right? 
And again, not a hater, right? Want the best for the young man. I'm going to give him two things. A, a jump shot because ultimately the assertiveness, the, the things that you want to give him, they're, they're not going to happen on that team. And with the emergence of Reed Shepard, you're not going to get – like, you just look selfish at this point trying to be <laughs> an alpha, right? It's, yep. it's dang near January. So, like, scratch that. Knock down corner threes, cut to the basket. You 6'7", six, 6'8", six, you can get paid a lot of money doing that. So raise that three-point percentages, that three-point percentage, and find a way to play off these dynamic guards. And I think – no, you won't be the number one pick, or even I don't think he was a lottery pick. I got him late twenties, but you know what? Late twenties is guaranteed money. You give yourself a chance, and again, he may be the dude that on a drafted in the late twenties on a playoff team. If he finds his jumper, then he may be able to find minutes because you see he's rebounding, uh, he's playing defense. I think he's giving you what a steal a game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's why I liked him because I knew that he would rebound. I thought he would be a good defender. And I thought he just did a little bit of everything on offense. But it looks like I just need you to do two things. Yeah, it looks like he was a he was like a, a jack of all trades, a master of none in I a said, sense. I said all that. And then now it's like the skills that he has, none of them have actually stood out on the offensive end. And just real quick on him, I think he's at the perfect school for him because if you put him in a bigger role and you come to find out he really ain't got it like that, like Kentucky playing with three or four other first-round picks can mask it, and it gives him an idea of his future role in the NBA. And I think if he goes to another school, he's he's kind of forced in a sense. Like, if we want to win... You gotta, you gotta be the guy. I, I actually think that he lost money going to Kentucky, but he knew that he was going to have to sacrifice going there. I just don't think that he expected Reed Shepard to emerge, and I, I'm guessing he didn't think Antonio Reeves would be back. I think him at another school would have really exposed his flaws as a shot creator and shooter. Because now we're really counting on you to create offense. And from what I saw, he never really had it like that. So, again, at Kentucky, yo, man, lock yourself in the gym. Knock down these corner threes. Watch some tape. Win the cut. And then, like I said, you'll be a first-round pick. Yeah, I think he's going to be a first-round just based off the the buzz that he had. I would give him a little offensive creativity, too. Kevin McCullough, my gift for Kevin McCullough would be, hey, man, Continue to shoot the ball the yeah. way you've been shooting it. I mean, the, prior to this season, his best year was 31% from three. He's currently shooting like 38%. So he's been hot actually last, 40%. He's been hot the last. So like, I, I, would say, I, I would say I would say I'm I'm giving you a continued jumper. All right, let's go rapid fire. Bobby Clintman. Uh, what I say, yo, he, he need a jumper, man. Look, you can't you can't fulfill that Trey Lyles prophecy shooting thirty one percent from three. I'd give him some dog because I think he has the skill set between his combination of size, athleticism. He was a really good passer on the FIBA level. He's averaging 10 points per game, a little under five rebounds in 22 minutes. So those numbers aren't bad. But he's not efficient, though. Yeah, 42, 30, 80 shooting splits. I would give him some dog. I would give him a lot more confidence. I would give him an alpha mentality. You know what? 
I'd give him Rob Dillingham confidence. <laughs> hey. T-John. T-John Salon. Hey, man, look. T-John, he's been hooping. And right now, I just need one thing from T-John, man. I need him to get better at attacking closeouts. Right now, he does this weird thing where he dribbles right and he pushes, puts the ball down with his left hand. And that slows him down. Like, I don't – it looks like when you're working with – kids like 13 14 year old kids mm -hmm. and you're trying to close out and they do just unnecessary stuff like he does stuff like that to me um but like he's been hoping and he's definitely rising so i just want him to to clean up some of his uh i guess you could say fundamentals off the dribble yeah i would give him which is going to come but i'd give him more experience because he's still a little raw to me, still a little unrefined and unpolished, but I love the physical tools, the talent. I love all of that. So that would be my gift. Baba Miller, I'm giving you a free throw. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to word it. Like, how do you give somebody a free throw? I mean, my man is like Nick Anderson at the foul line. He's shooting 42.9%. Baba Miller has all the tools to be really good. I think he's going to be a... I think he's, I mean, this may sound bad. I think he's going to be like a tease. I think he's going to be someone that is, is going to get drafted high. I mean, he's, he's averaging seven points per game. I, I thought he was going to have a huge freshman year. Then he got delayed because of the suspension. And then when he came back, he wasn't he wasn't really good at all, but he was dealing with an injury. And I kind of chalked it up to this is what happens when you miss a semester. You're kind of a bit behind. So I thought he would be in position to have a big sophomore year, but he's averaging like seven points per game. The 34% from three is – I would take that. Yeah, I would take 34% from three. But this goes to the question I asked. Do you believe free throw percentage is more <laughs> of an indicator or three-point percentage? Because he's shooting 42% from three. The free throw percentage was terrible last year, and I'd have a hard time, unless it's something where it's like a mental block, but I would have a hard time taking a 6'11 wing, because he is a wing, that can't make free throws. Because I'm like, if you can't make free throws, then how am I going to expect you to make three-pointers? And then I would also give him a little bit more assertiveness and dog. I mean, he's 6'11, you can handle... I mean, you're very, very skilled. There's no way you should be averaging seven points per game. On a bad team. Florida State's been bad for two years in a row. I got one for you, Ralph. Garwe Dewall. I know he's more of a guard than a wing. Yo, he needs a jumper. Let me yeah. read these splits. Yo, terrible. Look, 27% from the field. 28% from three. 57% from the free throw line. But yo, I'm giving him another year. That's <laughs> fair too. He but look, he got game if that makes sense. He just can't shoot. Like long arms for days. He's got the physical tools. He can handle, he can pass like really well. He just can't shoot to save his life. And they're not and he's on a team with veterans, so they're not going to play him any minutes. Yeah, I um, he, he's been – and I was a big fan of his. He's been one of my, my bigger disappointments. But he, he's, even though his numbers are bad, I still think if he entered this draft – Oh, yeah, he, I would definitely take Somebody's him. going to at yeah, least yeah, give yeah. him a two-way. Well, that wraps up this episode. We got one more for you, and we're going to talk about the bigs. And I think this is a very interesting class of bigs, very different skill sets across the board. 
and I think that yeah man I, I, I want to talk about these bigs man because there's some traditional bigs there's some bigs that are floor spacers there's some that are very talented but they're missing like one major thing so we're going to continue our season's greetings of giving out gifts and we're going to talk about what we would give the top big man in the 2024 draft class some of the big men prospects what we would give them as gifts to help them maximize their draft potential or nba potential and draft stock once again it's rafael barlow with my brother james and we are out